Hello, this is Evan Schneider and welcome to Let's Talk About, produced by the Pace Center for Civic Engagement at Princeton University. In this season of Let's Talk About, we are featuring Princeton University students who are passionate about making service a part of their Princeton experience and living lives of service after they graduate. Allison Cho is a rising sophomore at Princeton from Princeton, New Jersey. She plans to concentrate in the molecular biology department and is on the pre-med track. On campus, she works with the Community House After School Academy, tutoring middle school students in the Princeton area. She also is a member of the Maddie College Council, volunteers with Big Sibs, and is the treasurer for the club swim team. This summer, Allison is working with six other students and Professor Alan Kaplan from the Princeton Computer Science Department to help teach computer science to University of Puerto Rico students online. Allison, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to, to poke your head out. Yeah, I'm actually in Princeton too, so I think we're experiencing the same weather. Yeah, so it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> So, Allison, can you um, can you just kind of start off by telling us how you got involved in the Coast 126 remote class in Puerto Rico this summer? I think, like, the majority of students at Princeton, my original summer plans were canceled. And maybe a blessing in disguise because teaching uh, Coast to the students at the University of Puerto Rico has been really fulfilling. We got involved... Uh, me and the rest of the TAs because Dr. Kaplan sent out an email to all the co students and basically just said, hey, we know summer's kind of up in the air right now. Who's interested? And then I'm really interested in computer science. So I was already kind of immediately drawn, but I'm also really passionate about service, especially tutoring and kind of bridging the educational inequity gap. So I thought this was a really good opportunity for me and I applied and the rest was kind of history. So for those who don't know, can you tell a little bit just basically what is Coast 126? Yeah, so Coast 126 is the introductory computer science course at Princeton. It's probably one of the most foundational courses and most well-known, kind of a little bit notorious on the Princeton campus. And right now we're teaching a shortened version of it, but very similar still to university students at Puerto Rico. Yeah, so I think it's actually the the most popular course at Princeton. Is that is that true? I'm not sure. It may be competing with like econ, like macroeconomics and micro. I know that's a big class, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's a very large class. A lot of people take it every year. It's a staple of the Princeton experience, I might say. So basically what you all are doing is taking kind of a truncated version of that course, teaching it in a truncated timeline as well. And, and this summer you're doing it remotely. Yeah, so usually uh, Dr. Kaplan will take a team of students to Puerto Rico. So not only will they be TAing, but they usually do other community service works like house building and other stuff like that. But this summer we're doing everything over Zoom. And yeah, it's just a shortened version of it, but incredibly fast paced. And so can you tell us what roles you and the other students are playing in terms of the course itself? So me and the other TAs act as the kind of leaders in the classroom. So we each have our own precept that we teach every day. And class itself lasts about one and a half to two hours, depending on what we're learning. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we also hold in office hours 
where students can drop in and like work on the assignment, whatever's due that day. But we basically handle all the interactions with the students. We answer their questions, their emails, and we do the actual teaching. And then we also do a little bit of the behind the scene work as well. So we'll be grading the assignments, we'll also be grading the tests. We'll be communicating with Dr. Kaplan if there's some kind of error that the student sees or like something's going on, anything like that. So, um, you know, this class usually happens at the University of Puerto Rico in Mayaguez. Mayaguez is the kind of tech campus of the UPR system. So that means that the students who are in your class are the same or similar age to you. Um, So I'm just curious, you know, about the dynamics of that and what have you learned about teaching, you know, people that could be sitting in in the class with you as fellow students? Yeah, so... I already look really young for my age, so that was one thing that was really intimidating for me, going into a room where not only were they the same age as me, but they probably all looked older than me. Um, And I was a little bit worried about maybe how like the respect dynamics would play out. But actually, everything ran smoothly, and really that's all thanks to the students themselves. Actually, on the first day, one of the students emailed me and called me Mrs. Cho, like with the R2 as if I was married. And that was definitely an experience. I had never been called that in my life. But all of that is to say and to show is that they were all very respectful. So I honestly, I had a fear of it in the beginning uh, about how it would affect everything. But after that first day, I just knew everything would be fine because they were all just so like respectful. And so teaching remotely in that aspect has been fine. But in terms of just teaching in general, obviously, remote learning has a lot of challenges. So connecting with the students just because we're online has been a lot harder. And I think on both my end and their end, though, there's been a lot of effort to kind of make it as lively and as connected as possible. So one thing that I've been really trying to do in terms of remote learning is asking a lot of questions and keeping them engaged hoping to do breakout rooms, things like that. And on their end, they're really good about asking questions, kind of keeping it light, making jokes, participating, which is definitely really hard to do over Zoom. So yeah, I mean, a lot of the activities that you're describing are things that happen not only in a classroom, but can happen in more of a tutoring type setting. And I know that you're involved in the Community House After School Academy or CHASA So I'm just curious if you have taken anything that you've learned from working as a tutor in CHASA and applied it to how you interact with your students in Puerto Rico. Yeah, so at Princeton when I was with CHASA, I think the biggest takeaway that I learned was that teaching and learning has changed drastically since I've been in middle school or even like elementary school, depending on who I'm tutoring. And one thing I had to learn was that they weren't learning the way the same way that I had learned, which really like emphasized to me that I have to be tutoring to them. Like it's not about necessarily how I understand the concepts or how I learned it and that's how I teach them. I need to be able to adapt to how they're learning and kind of how they process information, which obviously is different for everyone. And that's probably one of the biggest things I've taken with me to this coast opportunity. Because I think, obviously, they have very different experiences, different livelihoods, just like not even in terms of an academic setting, but also just a life setting. And working with that and understanding that the way that I learned Coast 126 is by no means the way that they're going to learn Coast 126 and kind of adapting alongside them to teach them in the way that will help them understand it the best. 
that concept of sort of meeting people where they are is something I'm pretty familiar with because because of my my own training. And I know that Charlotte Collins, who runs the the community house program, also has a, a div school or divinity school background. And that really is a concept that is a, a ministry concept that if you're doing ministry well, you're meeting people where they are. You're not sort of like shoving your own beliefs on them, but you're sort of getting to know what people believe and just sort of like going with that in that moment of ministry. So it sounds like, you know, Charlotte has done some adapting of those concepts and is teaching that, you know, I mean, it's a really great tool to be able to use in the classroom as well, because like you said, you know, if a student isn't able to understand or a way that you're explaining it doesn't work for them, you know, trying to figure out the way that does is really the best way to teach them because then it's going to make the the biggest impact because they're being heard and, and seen. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's something that I think I've tried to kind of implement not only in Chasa, but also for this coast teaching. So we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges you know, in a remote teaching environment. But I imagine, you know, teaching computer science can can also be really rewarding because once a concept is mastered, then there's just this huge sense of accomplishment. And so I'm just curious, you know, if you have a an anecdote or something you want to share where a student has been able to overcome that obstacle of not understanding something and how and how you kind of got them to that point. Yeah, so I was actually just reflecting on this today when I was teaching. We were doing some pretty complicated stuff in terms of data collection and organization. And I was just thinking back to kind of the first week when nobody even knew like how to print Hello World, which is the obviously the, not obviously I should say, but the staple program kind of that every new programmer learns in the beginning. I think all my students have had that kind of breakthrough moment. I will say I have one student who I believe is one of the most dedicated students that I know, not even in terms of this opportunity, but even out of the students I've met at Princeton, I've just never seen someone work so hard and really try to understand everything. And one time we were working together on a project he was kind of struggling with, and I could tell he was getting frustrated, but he really kept going and just at every time that he didn't understand something, he would always ask me to clarify. He would never move on, even though like I was kind of, you know, prompting him or feeding him a little bit of what to do. He wouldn't move on unless he truly understood it. And we ended up spending like almost two hours together for him to get this code down. But every single moment he was so engaged, so ready. And by the end, he kind of looked at his final project and he's just like sighed and was like, oh my God, I'm done. And he was like, I understand it, like, thank you. And I could just see that over that course of those two hours, it was definitely not easy, but he really struggled every bit of the way. And at the end, I could just see how proud of himself he was. And he had every right to be. I mean, he really put in the effort to take in what I was saying and apply it, not just kind of like typing whatever it was to get it done. Thank you for sharing that. That's a that's a really cool story. I love sort of the idea that the struggle makes it even more rewarding <laughs> that it's kind of like the hidden little side story in that in that anecdote so thank you how have you and the other students worked to prepare for for teaching online for teaching Puerto Rican students what what what's some of the prep work that you've been doing so uh in terms of everyday class prep work 
me and the other TAs will usually go through the exercise that they're going to be doing in class. So what we do is we do an online kind of self-paced class where they answer questions, but we kind of go through it with them. And sometimes the questions involve coding. And so every day before that class, me and the other TAs will usually do those exercises just to kind of remind ourselves. Also, personally for me, I took COAST 126 in the fall. So it's been a little bit, so I have to kind of remind myself sometimes. Um, I find myself definitely making mistakes on the exercises, so it's always good to kind of refresh that so I'm not completely lost with them during the class. But beyond that, we try and meet weekly usually. We'll meet to discuss like grading things and different assignments and what students we think are struggling or need the extra help. But a lot of times we also talk about what's going on in Puerto Rico and we try and educate ourselves on their situation and what their situation honestly has been for the past like two and a half years, almost three now. And by understanding that, I think it helps us connect with our students and better come to the classroom with a more robust understanding of what they're going through and hopefully connecting with them on a more emotional level. So beyond like the obvious groundwork that we have to do for class preparation and, you know, grading assignments, making sure that every like thing on the website is running smoothly, there's also definitely that component of educating ourselves on what's going on. Yeah, I know Dr. Kaplan is really passionate about Puerto Rico and has been traveling to the island for years and years with his family. But just since, you know, Hurricane Maria and all the upheaval last summer, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, I mean, there's just so many things that the island has endured, just like you said, over the last two or three years, not to mention the hundred years before that of, you know, being a colony of the U.S. and, you know, several, like what, five years ago, six years ago, the austerity measures that were put in place. It's, it's an island that has been really rocked with one thing after another. And their resiliency is amazing. And it's something we all sort of can learn from, but also understanding the context is really helpful in becoming an advocate for the island itself, which is not an easy task either, because, you know, it's not a monolithic place. People disagree, just like they do everywhere else about basically everything. But, you know, they do have this sort of agreement about what it means to be Puerto Rican, and, and they love that about themselves. And so I'm really excited that you all are getting to get a taste of that. And I just wanted to say, too, you know, I know the coming year is is not looking like there's going to be much in-person contact, uh, at least not the way that, that a normal college experience uh, goes at Princeton. But, you know, in the future, we're really hoping to provide more opportunities for students to travel to Puerto Rico, both through this coast experience but also, you know, through like a winter session trip, which we were, I was actually able to, to help organize and lead a trip to San Juan last, last January for students. So we're hoping to, to have more trips in the future when we're able to, which I don't know what, what that means in terms of timing, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if, if there was something, you know, you wanted to highlight from your experience in terms of what you've learned about Puerto Rico through this experience? Yeah, so before this experience, I really didn't know that anything was going on in Puerto Rico. Um, 
I knew obviously that Hurricane Maria had hit, but I had no idea that even three years after that they would still be suffering the consequences. A lot of my students sometimes miss class because the power just spontaneously goes out. Wi-Fi is definitely not reliable. Connectivity issues has been really hard. To no fault of their own, obviously, it's just that it's kind of like a daily occurrence. It's daily life now for them. A lot of times they'll be like, oh, the power went out, or like, oh, you know, my Wi-Fi went out again. It's just kind of like, oh, it happens. And I think beyond everything that they're going through with the debt crisis, COVID, and obviously still Hurricane Maria, the biggest thing is that every single one of my students are just so resilient. They're obviously really invested in this class. They all try really hard. Despite the power outage uh, and the connectivity issues, they make sure to email me if that ever happens. They really try and stay on top of it. But even more so, they're all just incredibly happy and just like excited about COAST, their programming, just like very into what they're doing. Almost to the point as if you would never know that anything is going on. And I think that resilience really speaks for their determination and their passion. They also love to, kind of what you said earlier about Puerto Ricans loving to be Puerto Rican. They love sharing with me different parts of their culture. They've been teaching me Spanish. And so I don't speak any Spanish. I never even took it in middle school or elementary school. I'm really a beginner. And they have taught me hello, goodbye, thank you. And one time I wanted to surprise them. So before their midterm exam, I learned how to say good luck, which I'm not going to repeat now because my pronunciation is really off and it took me a really like a lot of time to practice with Google Translate. So, but I said it to them right before and I was super nervous because I didn't even know if they were going to understand what I said. And every single one of them just like laughed and smiled. They gave me a huge thumbs up. I think they were lying because they told me I was really good. They said, they, wow, they've never heard such good pronunciation from such a beginner. But I think they were just, they're, they're so happy and they were really supportive of me learning Spanish and really just excited to share that part of themselves with me. And so connecting with them on that was a really special moment for me. Allison, I'm going to ask you two questions that we um, kind of like to ask everyone that we talk to on this podcast. Um, so the first one is, what are you passionate about right now? Yeah, so I would say the two things I'm most passionate about would be sustainability and educational inequity. Uh, I touched a little bit on that before, but I think that education should be a universal human right. I think that all children should have some kind of access to education. And I think more and more we're seeing that that's just simply not happening. I always remember a story my mom told me about Mark Zuckerberg donating almost, it was like $100 million to the Newark public school system. And all of that money just kind of slipped through the fingers of like bureaucracy and simply did nothing. And within a year, there was no improvement, no changes. The schools were the same, supplies were the same. And it's just, it really broke my heart because I think that children are the ones who need to be supported the most. And especially through education, can be such a lifting moment for everyone, not just children. Uh, so I try and tutor as much as I can and get myself involved in anything that aims to bridge that gap because I think that it's really important that we not only give back, but we understand that 
through these kind of opportunities, like offering a class like Coast 126 to people who may not have had that opportunity or taking the time to tutor kids after school can really make a huge difference. I think if you tell kids that they're going to be supported through education and they're going to be supported even when it seems like the government or people around them aren't going to be there for them, it makes that journey easier. I mean, I don't think school is necessarily easy for everyone, especially when you have circumstances that kind of take your mind away from what you're learning, things like home circumstances, where you're living, et cetera, et cetera. So I think like just having that support system for kids is really important. And the other thing I'm really passionate about is sustainability. Growing up in Princeton, I used to have huge snowstorms, like 12 inches of snow when I was younger. And I don't know, just seeing the winters get warmer and warmer and just seeing what scientists are saying about global warming. I think we really don't have as much time as people think. A lot of people are trying to ignore this problem of climate change when it's really at our doorstep. So I've been trying to educate myself on not only how I can be greener in terms of like eating, but also like in what I buy and educating others around me that climate change is real. You know, I, I happen to oversee a, a post-graduation fellowship program called the High Meadows Program. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before, but it is an opportunity for graduating Princeton seniors to work at environmental nonprofits for two years. So we have relationships with some of the top environmental nonprofits in the country. We play students at the Environmental Defense Fund, at Climate Central, actually in Princeton, at the Wilderness Society, the Food Project. So some people that have really influential voices in the realm of sustainability, especially in helping to shape policy and helping to communicate information around the climate. You know, I I just kind of wanted to lift that up as an opportunity to have on your radar for the future, because if you have that passion, you know, that's a wonderful place to explore in terms of career. You know, it's it's also like great because it's just a two year program. So it's a short commitment. You know, if you're thinking about going to grad school or something like that, it'll give you the opportunity to get some real work experience before going back into another degree program. But you know, especially given your background, computer science skills are always needed and wanted at nonprofits. So yeah, just something to think about. And what brings you hope right now? I think what gives me hope uh, right now is definitely the people around me. I think it's really easy to kind of isolate yourself right now. I mean, we all have the excuse to quarantine if we really didn't want to see anybody. But I think that The fact that I have friends who still reach out, who still organize activities to do together. I watch movies with my roommates. I still FaceTime my friends from my high school. And the fact that connection can still be maintained in spite of everything and people are still actively reaching out and trying to maintain those friendships with people I think is really uplifting for me because sometimes I find myself in my room thinking, oh my god, like everything just seems so awful. I just heard this news. I'm not going to go back to school. I just, I could just shut the door to my room and kind of like unplug from everything. And I think that's, those times are needed. But oftentimes I find that when I'm talking with my friends and reminding myself of all the good people out there, that really is uplifting to me. And I think that especially given 
what I see from my friends in terms of educating themselves in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement. I think a lot of my friends have been really taking strides into dismantling their own internal racism, mine included, and I've had some really eye-opening conversations with my friends about this issue. And taking that time to engage with the world on that level while also also reserving time to watch movies kind of gives me the sense that there's normalcy, but there's also still active learning happening and the world is still fighting for justice, you know, when everything kind of seems like it's falling apart. And I think that's really powerful. Allison, thank you so much for sharing that and for being on the show today. Thank you for the work that you're doing on the Coast 126 course in Puerto Rico and for the work that you do, you know, with Chasa. So I, I really appreciate you joining us today and thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Let's Talk About a production of the Pace Center for Civic Engagement. This podcast is intended to be informational only and does not reflect nor represent the views of the Pace Center for Civic Engagement or Princeton University.